Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. My name is Shay Cornette. My husband's here too. His name is Jordan Cornette. Good morning to everyone. Happy New Year's Eve. We've almost made it through the year, and I know everyone is excited about that. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs are heading into this weekend with not much to play for because they have already secured the number one seed in the playoffs in the AFC. They have a first-round bye. They've clinched home field advantage. Things are looking good for Kansas City. I would want to be Andy Reid and a Kansas City Chiefs player if I was in the scenario where I was getting ready for the postseason. They're playing the Chargers this weekend, and Andy Reid has said essentially he's going to sit as starters. There's no need to risk injury. There's no need to keep his guys out there, which I completely understand. I'm also going to back Andy Reid up and say I understand that he is 18-3 and coming off a bye. Going even further, he is 5-2 and after a first-round bye in the playoff following last year's Super Bowl-winning postseason. He's good when they are not playing football. But what's it? you're not pointing out what the issue but is. But the issue here is this is not one week by. This is not a one week situation. This is now going to he's now going to give his players nearly 3 weeks off. That 20 is to almost, 21 days, yeah. That is almost a month and that is a really long time. And while it is beneficial for guys on the offensive line, let's use an example to get healthy and get right, I don't know that it's beneficial for an entire offense or an entire defense. An entire offense who has not been putting up points at the high at the uh, the highest clip, I would say, that they had been doing in years past. They have won a lot of really close games. The most recent one against the Atlanta Falcons that could have gone the other way had that kicker made that field goal and put them into overtime. And then on the defensive side of the ball, yes, they're better than they were last year, but they are not an elite defense by any stretch of the imagination. And so while I know how good Andy Reid is when he gives his player rest or when he comes off a bye, and while I know that Patrick Mahomes will be prepared no matter who they face in the playoffs when they ultimately get there, I just worry that three weeks is a lot longer than seven days. And that when you don't have everyone clicking the way you had them clicking last year when you won a Super Bowl, do you really want to give these guys that much time off and not gain a little momentum against a very winnable team in the Chargers? And look, it really comes down to me as calculated risk. And you've got to look at it and say, rust or possible injury? Which one is greater detriment to our season ending prematurely and not ending with a Super Bowl? And when you calculate those risks, it's injury in a meaningless game versus the Chargers. Losing a Patrick Mahomes, a Tyreek Hill, whomever you want to pick on that roster, Travis Kelsey, and then you have an uphill climb in the playoffs. That's the greater risk. Because if you're looking at rust, it's hard to think a team that's won 23 of their last 24 games is going to be severely impacted by rust against what's going to be, no matter who it is, an inferior opponent. A a worthy opponent, but an inferior one to the talent of the Chiefs. Because what are the Chiefs known for most especially this year? And even looking back to the postseason last year versus the Texans, they are closers. They can give up that early lead, and they're talented enough and comfortable enough to overcome it in the end. So if I am an opponent of the Chiefs coming into the playoffs, I am going to amplify the opportunity to getting off to a hot start and capitalizing on inevitable rust you're going to see from a Chiefs team that hadn't played in 21 days, at least Patrick Mahomes. But yet still, Andy Reid is calculating the risk and saying, I'm confident. Maybe we get down a score. Maybe we get down 10. Maybe we get down two scores. That rust will wear off quickly and we'll do what we do, win that game, be back to postseason form going into the next game, and we'll be fine. It's a matter of calculating risk. Of course, you open the door 
to some criticism or questioning, not criticism, some questions of, is that too long of a layoff? And quite possibly so for some teams, not the Kansas City Chiefs because they are ABCs, always be closing. (laughs) And so they can give up that early part, maybe an early lead in the first few minutes and get behind. But that's what they do, and then they just rattle off with a flurry of scores. Kansas City Chiefs, I think me and you have failed them a little bit in these few days we've been filling in, talking about the Bills and the Packers, and rightfully so. We stand by those takes. They are threats. The Bills in the AFC on the other side of the Super Bowl, the Packers potentially if they get there. But we need to make it clear, Kansas City is the standard in the NFL, and this is what Kansas City does. And Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame coach that has a great feel for what his team is and who they are. And if he thinks this is best – well, Shay, I think it's best for us to agree with him and think that he knows what they are, and they are close. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with that. And and offensively, you're right, they are the best. And what can they do? They can close football games. But defensively, they are dead last in red zone defense. They're vulnerable. I mean, they're 16th in total defense. They're they're in the bottom half, rather. And so Patrick these Holmes. these are the things though that that worry me on that side of the ball. Patrick and Holmes. so I wonder why not have your I know, I know what their offense is capable of. I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick and Holmes. I actually think it's a good idea to rest your offensive line who has been banged up a little bit. But defensively, why not give your defense some reps against a team that has Justin Herbert under center who's been playing really good football and give them a chance to just get one more game that's meaningless? out of the way, and they can get some momentum heading into the postseason. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying it's the right answer. I'm saying I wouldn't be mad at it. Because it's a 16-game season, and because it's a 16-game season amidst COVID. I think that's also something that needs to be amplified here as well. Not only talking about physical rest, this has been a grind unlike any other season. The mental side to this season and being able to clear your head and get that rest and mentally prepare for the all-important postseason – That's not to be taken lightly. This season is way different than any year any athlete, any person covering it like we've had has been. It's mentally taxing on these athletes along with the physical aspect of it. So to clear their heads for three weeks to be prepared to play longer than any of the other teams in the league aside from one other, that meaning getting to the Super Bowl and ultimately winning it, that is, again, going back to calculated risk. There is risk here, no question. But Andy Reid looks at it and says, I want my guys rested physically, mentally prepared, rested there, and ready to go on another run because they play longer than anybody in these last few seasons. And he understands that this is a marathon. And if they take this risk in this week against a Chargers team that has nothing to lose at all and nothing to gain at all, then all you're risking is injury. And rust, again, rust for the Chiefs is different than any other team because they can turn it on quick. And they've been known to get behind, especially this season, Shay. We look at it and we go, is this the game that they're going to lose? Uh-uh. One time it's happened this year. And you can talk about all the great breaks they've gotten, but they find a way to close the games. They haven't beat a team by double digits since week eight. I agree with you. And then if you look at the playoff picture, so the Chiefs, as I said, the number one seed in the AFC. Number two seed hasn't been clinched yet. The Bills could do that over the weekend if they beat the Dolphins. So who would the Chiefs potentially play in the playoffs. Well, it wouldn't be the Bills because the Bills are going to be either the two or three seed at this point. It likely wouldn't be the Steelers. And I think we would probably argue that these are the two teams, mostly the Bills, that could run the Chiefs out of town. You know what I'm saying? And so heading into the postseason and not being your absolute sharpest in the first quarter might not be the worst thing. 
if you're not facing an opponent like the Bills that could give you a shootout scenario late in a game where you could ultimately actually fall behind and lose. You know what I mean? I think that the Chiefs could easily handle the Titans, the Dolphins, the Ravens, even the Steelers, the Browns, the Colts, easily. It's the Bills that gives me the most pause, and the Bills would not be the team they would face out of the gate right after the bye. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it is a team like the Bills, Bills with that explosive offense may get up early. And keep in mind, the Chiefs beat them back in October. Yep, That's just another one of the teams in Murderer's Row that the Chiefs notched a win uh, against. I mean, it's a team that is 14-1. and 1. Yeah. They have done it at every turn in any way that they've had to go out there and win the game. Remember, against Buffalo, they had to run the football to win that game. They were dominant on the ground. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs in totality find ways to win a game. They control how the game will be played, and if this is the opportunity, open it up, pursue that path to a win. That's just what they do. And hopefully after these three weeks, we'll have an update, too, on Clyde Edwards-Elair and his health and if he can return in the postseason, because I know that would benefit the Kansas City Chiefs. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. College football playoff semifinal is tomorrow. So the countdown is on as we also count down to a brand new year. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. I am Shay Cornette. Hello. Hi, I'm Jordan Cornette. I'm, I'm <laughs> Shay's husband. I tell him most most aptly known and named as. Recognized as. That's not true. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And that's where we're going to go right now because Barrett Jones is there joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. He does college football on ESPN Radio and he's on the call of Clemson and Ohio State, the All-State Sugar Bowl on ESPN Radio tomorrow. Good morning to you, Barrett. So Ohio State has got some bulletin board material heading into this game. Dabo Sweeney has said that he doesn't believe a team that has played only six games should be in this playoff, and now Justin Fields' draft stock is is falling. Do you think the Buckeyes use this as motivation? Well, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I've never been the biggest believer in bulletin board material. I do think that maybe – 
occasionally can help you prepare a little bit harder, uh, maybe a little more motivated. But if you're not motivated to come out and prepare for a semifinal, you know, something's wrong with you. So, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about the six games and how it's an advantage for the Buckeyes, and people have said that. I, I actually see it total opposite. And I was talking to Ryan Day yesterday, obviously, with me. I see it as a disadvantage. Uh, I, I think that it's a major disadvantage when you think about only playing six games versus, you know, 10 or 11 for some of these other teams. Uh, I think back to where Alabama and Clemson were, you know, in the middle of the season and, and some of the things that uh, some of the issues that they still had to fix and, and kind of where they are now, both of those teams really peaking at the right time. Uh, and I think about Ohio State, who I, I really feel like has has the talent of those other teams, but really is is still uh, searching for to, to find their 100% identity, especially as an offense. Um, I think everyone expected Justin Fields to come in and you know, throw it around a bunch this year and and I think now they're kind of finding out maybe they're more of a, I'm not going to say run first team, but but a, a a running style football team like they were last year. So I think it'll be very interesting to see what their game plan looks like against Clemson and, uh, again, how that six games really affects them uh, preparation-wise. I, I, I'm kind of questioning, uh, not having Barrett Jones on because he does a great job, but I'm a Notre Dame guy, and to have Barrett on. I was about to say that, Jordan. I was surprised. <laughs> I knew you were going to guest when I found that out. I was like, hey, this, I know this guy. I don't want to go on here and talk Notre Dame. So. I mean, Barrett, Barrett, of all the days to have you on, it's just not the day I wanted to because of what's on the line tomorrow with Notre Dame and Alabama and knowing what you and your Bama team did in 2013, 42-14 to, to Notre Dame. It, it's tough to stomach, but we do, at least initially here, have to focus on this Clemson-Ohio State matchup. I mean, man, Barrett was one of the best offensive linemen to put on a uniform at Alabama, and every player on that team seemed like the best players ever at Alabama back in 2013 versus Notre Dame. I digress. Let's go back to this one. Clemson is over a touchdown favorite versus Ohio State, and as I look at this one, I truly believe Clemson is the best team out of the four uh, in this thing. I think they got the best defense. Is this a game where Clemson steamrolls Ohio State, or do you expect a close one? You know, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I do think that people have forgotten how good Clemson is. Uh, watching them in that ACC championship game, that was by far their most complete game against Notre Dame, where they really got clicking on all cylinders. Uh, I, I'll give you some maybe some counterpoints uh, of why Clemson maybe not is quite as dominant as they have been in years past. You know, I think about the Ohio State Clemson matchup from a year ago. Uh, I actually called that game as well. Uh, it was in Arizona. I'm not sure either one of these teams is quite as complete and quite as good, possibly, uh, as they were last year, uh, Clemson included. You know, normally Clemson has uh, a, a dynamic playmaker on the outside edge, um, you know, a wide receiver. And coming into the year, they had several of those guys beat up. Justin Ross got hurt, you know, before the season even started. Uh, they lost Joseph Ngata, Frank Ladson throughout the year. They don't really have that dynamic playmaker that we're used to seeing, that, you know, T. Higgins type on the outside edge. Uh, Mike Williams, they've, they've always had one of those guys that can go up and make a big play down the stretch in man coverage. Uh, they've had some guys step up down the stretch, but again, not that first round. They, they do have a, a true freshman, by the way, E.J. Williams. Keep an eye on him. He's really started to emerge, had a big game against Notre Dame as sort of that guy. The other thing they don't have that's a little bit different is, is a, a dynamic pass rusher. Now, look, they still have great players up front on defense, and they still have really good wide receivers. I'm talking about, like, game-breaker type dudes. They always have one of those on the D-line and a wide receiver. Uh, and they don't have either one of those this year. And so uh, Brent Middles has, has had to rely a little bit more on bringing pressure to generate pressure. And now, look, their sack numbers and their pressure numbers are still ridiculous because he does it as, as well as anyone in football. So if I'm going to make a counter-argument for it, I think it's that. 
Uh, I, I do think that Ohio State, what their game plan will be, if I, if I was making their game plan, I would put on that Notre Dame film, uh, and I would see that, you know what, they're at times, uh, it, it's it's possible to beat them up in, in the middle. Now, look, I'm, I'm not saying they have a weakness. They don't really have any glaring weaknesses. I'm just saying that it, it is possible uh, because of the way Ohio State, that O-line, I think, is really starting to, to round into form, led by their right guard, Wyatt Davis, an All-American. Uh, and you look at their rushing numbers against Northwestern, over 300 yards for Trey Sermon. I think that's going to be more of their game plan is try to keep it on the ground, keep more tight ends on the field. That, that usually keeps the defensive look simpler uh, and, and try to run the football. Barrett, I do want to ask you uh, something very timely in this one that came across the wires yesterday. Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott will not be traveling uh, due to COVID protocol. He will be sitting this one out. You think back uh, to a season ago, it was Jeff Scott and it was Tony Elliott, co-court offensive coordinators calling plays. Well, Jeff Scott is now at USF as the head coach. Tony Elliott not traveling for this semifinal game because of COVID, which leaves, yes, Trevor Lawrence on the field, uh, but a lack of uh, experience in the booth in such a big stage. How will that impact Clemson? I think it's enormous. Uh, I think it's huge. Another twist in a weird season. Um, you know, I, I still haven't heard he's going to be calling the plays. I, I asked uh, their SID people yesterday. They said that, but I think it's going to be addressing it possibly today. Um, so that, I think that's enormous. I mean, look, it, there's a comfort there with, with play calling and a quarterback and, uh, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, just kind of having a feel for what to go with. And so, uh, again, I'm not well versed in, in their entire staff, and I, I don't know who who that would be that's going to call the plays. But I, I think it's certainly something to keep an eye on. And look, obviously, coordinators don't play games, uh, but there's a certain rhythm you can get your guys into, and a certain feel you have for what your offense is capable of uh, that I can't, I think, cannot be understated. We're talking to Barrett Jones. He's a college football analyst on ESPN Radio. He's on the call of Clemson and Ohio State in the All-State Sugar Bowl on ESPN Radio tomorrow. However, he also played at Alabama, and Alabama is going to face Notre Dame tomorrow as well. And so, Barrett, uh, the early thoughts or the notion is that this is going to be a blowout in Alabama's favor. I'm just calling it what it is as my husband's kind of giving me the he's, side he's eye. He's done it before. I mean, he knows. <laughs> However, I ask you this, if you could remain objective, how do you think Notre Dame could have a shot in this one against Alabama? Well, I'll, I'll take my one shot first, and I'll just say it was nice uh, watching the fourth quarter on the sidelines in that national championship against Notre Dame. So, Jordan, I, was, I, I have to say that. Uh, but, uh, no, look, it, uh, I, I do think they have a chance. I mean, it, it's a slim chance. They're going to have to play their best game, and uh, they're going to have to – certainly find a way to put up a bunch of points. But the reality about this Alabama offense is I don't think there's anyone who's going to stop them this year. Now, look, I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship. I, I agree with you. I think Clemson's a very good team as well. Um, and I think Ohio State's a good team. But I, I, you're not going to stop them. They, they, they've scored 35-plus uh, points, and I think it's now like 24 or 25 straight games. Like, you just have to score with them. That's really your only option. I don't think it matters what defense. You could trot out the 85 Bears, and then they'd still put up a few touchdowns against them. <laughs> like, they're that good offensively this year. Uh, they, they have a uh, great offensive line. They have maybe the best running back in football in Najee Harris. They definitely have the best wide receiver uh, in football. They have one of the best quarterbacks. Uh, they're very complete uh, offensively. And so uh, can Notre Dame find a way to score big-time points? Uh, maybe they can control the game of their run game. Look, uh, same kind of thing I said about Clemson. Uh, it's even worse probably with Notre Dame. Notre Dame, the, the major thing they lack offensively it's going to really show up, and it showed up in the Clemson game, is dynamic playmakers on the edge. You've got to have dynamic playmakers. Uh, I actually talked to Brian Kelly last week before that ACC championship game, and 
you know, he was actually talking to me about that 2012 game, and, and he was kind of giving me the side eye as well. And I think he still doesn't like me because of that game. And he uh, he said, you know, after that game, we really we, we tried to rebuild our trenches and we tried to match up uh, man for man in the trenches. Uh, and I think they've actually done a pretty good job of that. I think their offensive line uh, is one of the best in the country. Uh, I think they'll they'll do just fine. Uh, so I think if they were going to win the game, they'd really have to control the line of scrimmage. Uh, to a point where you keep the ball out of Mac Jones's hands for very long stretches of time, uh, and I think essentially you're going to have to score almost every time you have the ball. Uh, because that's what it comes down to to beat this Alabama offense. You know what I love about the subtle Baird flex there that I don't know if you picked up on Shay mm. when he said he watched in the fourth quarter. No, it was no, because I of the, up on it. was it, it was, was was it because of injury? Because he it was did a blow up. He yeah, did no, play I and Baird. I, I remember this. You did play with that. I think it was your left foot was injured for like four or five weeks that year, correct? That's a great memory right there. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was Liz Frank injury. I had surgery the next day. It's, yeah, so, it's sick, his memory. Okay, so Barry, it wasn't, it's sick. Yeah, so it wasn't injury while he was on his sidelines in that fourth quarter. It was a tail kicking, and that's why he was chilling in the fourth quarter. I remember all that, Barrett. Uh, but going back to, you mentioned Mac Jones. You mentioned Devontae Smith. Those two guys, it feels like, are in an internal battle for this Heisman Trophy as Devontae just won AP Player of the Year. Uh, do you think there's any chance that it's Devontae Smith who becomes the fourth wide receiver in the history of the Heisman Trophy to get this done, or is it Max? Uh, I do think there's a chance. And in fact, I think he's. Uh, I think it's going to happen. I really do. I, I think it's an incredible story. And, you know, the Heisman, is, it's a funny award. It's been talked about a lot. Uh, and it, it sure seems like there's just these momentum swings. Uh, like earlier in the year, it was it was Mac and Kyle Trask, and that was pretty much it. Those are the two guys, and one of them was going to win it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everyone just decided, hey, look, Devontae, he's a great player also. Why don't we, why don't we put him in consideration? And I think there's been a, a major uh, push for him uh, to the point where I think he's going to win it. You know, it's tough. Like, look, obviously those guys are very codependent on each other. Uh, the fact that, that Mac Jones is throwing Devontae Smith uh, all of his touchdown passes, and so – you know, which one is better? I don't know. They're both great players. But I do think Devontae Smith ultimately will be the one to hoist it, and I think it will be well-deserved. He's a, a great guy, and everyone raves about him in the building. It's just the kind of leader he is and a uh, quiet guy, but a guy who everyone loves. And I think uh, those guys have a very good relationship to the point where uh, they'll be excited for, for the other one, whoever wins it. Bear. I got I got to get this off really quick. Okay, for for Michael Jr., I do want to say go Irish 38-37. to 7, 37. 38-37 Irish win, Barrett. There you okay. go. Okay, I'm glad we got that That's out. what Mike Golick said? No, that's what I'm saying for him, to get revenge from oh. 2013 in that BCS <laughs> National he was Championship there. He, he was there in 2013, so he knows better. <laughs> <laughs> Barrett Jones, College Football Lance on ESPN Radio. Thanks for joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. Enjoy the call between Clemson and Ohio State in the All-State Sugar Bowl on ESPN Radio. We'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year. Thanks, guys. I'm sad we didn't get to talk to Indiana, but maybe next time. Oh, boo-hoo. Thank you, Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. All right, let's get to SportsCenter. LeBron James becomes the first NBA player to record 1,000 consecutive double-digit games with 26 points against the Spurs. LeBron James became the first and only NBA player to score in double figures in 1,000 consecutive regular season games. Becky Hammond becomes the first woman to handle head coaching duties in the NBA. Hammond took over on the sidelines for Greg Popovich after he was ejected in the second quarter. She is the first woman to act as a head coach during an NBA regular season game. Oklahoma defeats Florida 55-20 in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. The Sooners scored a program record 55 points and set a Cotton Bowl record for total yards 
with 684 in their win against Florida. Sports Center is presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting your business with specialized coverages for your commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercials.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. You know, ESPN Radio has you covered for bowl game action. Tune in today for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl presented by AutoZone. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Let's go back to that Goodyear hotline because that's where Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter, joins us. Brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Good morning to you, Jordan. Thanks for being with us. So, big matchup this weekend between the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. In order to get into the playoffs, they need the Washington football team to lose. So, earlier, Jordan, my husband and I were talking about how it would really benefit the Giants to get into the playoffs. But I ask you, since you have more of a pulse on this thing, do you think Giants fans want to go to the playoffs or they rather have a higher draft pick? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's really a mixed bag right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because they really, there's such a wide range. Like technically, I know, look, 30-second pick is, is ridiculous, right? They're not, they're not winning the Super Bowl. We all could agree on that, I think. But technically, if you go to the wide range of where they could pick is anywhere from the third pick to 32nd. Which is just crazy if you think about it, that, that, that there's that way, wide range of possibilities. Because, I mean, is there a team in NFL history that has ever been had five wins entering the final week of the season and had a chance to make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. The answer is probably no. So, uh, you know, it's a tough spot because the Giants clearly have a lot more work to do. They're talent-wise. Like you saw the last three weeks. I think that's what we learned the last three weeks. They were, they were totally outclassed by Baltimore who is probably like a second-tier, you know, playoff contender. And then they were outclassed also by Arizona and Cleveland. And those are really fringe playoff teams. So clearly they have a long way to go talent-wise that they still need to add significantly more talent to that roster. But at the same time, you would like to make the playoffs. This is a team that, you know, six of the past seven years has had a losing record. You see that, that you know, if your young quarterback can get that playoff experience, it would be valuable. So your your first year head coach that to make the playoffs that would be sort of a validation that his program is you know is is what is right that it's, they're headed in the right direction. So it's a really tricky spot for Giants fans. I think you know once you sit down and start watching the game, you want them to win, you want them to make the playoffs. In the end, you'll look at the big picture and you worry about it later in regards to the draft pick. Jordan, how healthy is Daniel Jones? Yeah, you know, he's getting better. He looked a lot better last week. Uh, you know, not specifically running, but you could see he was able to move around the pocket a little bit, like slide and, and avoid avoid guys. I mean, now, is he able to pull it and run? He made an interesting admission yesterday when we were talking to him that he's just going to have to work to, out of the pocket until he's healthy, which is saying, look, I'm still not healthy. And I still can't, you know, run the zone read, which, quite frankly, was a big part of the Giants' offense uh, when, when he was healthy. He averages the most yards per rush for any quarterback this year, right? Not Kyler Murray, not Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones. So it, it was a weapon. I mean, the Giants were using it. It was very effective. It helped their running game. It helped Wayne Gallman, uh his effectiveness uh, in the running game. So, uh, But you know what? Daniel Jones said it yesterday, like he's still, you know, not 100% healthy. 
he's still limited. So is he moving better? The answer is definitely yes. They took on the injury report yesterday. He, you know, he he, he had a hamstring injury and an ankle injury, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why he missed that last game that he missed two weeks ago. The ankle injury is now completely off the injury report. So he's better in that regard. But the hamstring, it's still something that's there. I think he could run. I just don't think they're going to be able to draw up and call zone reads with regularity like they were beforehand. So it still limits him, and it still limits the Giants' offense. But Daniel Jones at 85 90% is still better than Colt McCoy. He can make throws that Colt McCoy can't. Uh, when they played uh, two weeks ago and they lost to Cleveland, there was a couple, there was two or three plays where the Giants, they probably had it. They probably had some big plays that they could have hit. But Colt McCoy, the ball hung up there. He, just, he doesn't have the same arm and the same ability that Daniel Jones has. So having him in there at 90% is still better. And they're a better team and more dangerous offensively than with Colt McCoy at 100%. We're talking to Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter. He joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. So if the Giants miss the playoffs, Jordan, what is next for Dave Gettleman? Wow, that's a tough one, yeah. (laughs) You know, I wrote about it today. I have a story coming out. I mean, the the seat's definitely hot for Dave Gettleman, right? Because you're talking 14-33 and in three seasons, right? You could parse it any way you want now. Have they made have they made progress, which is what John Marin's thesis were looking for this year? I think you can sit there and define it and say, yeah, they are definitely moving in the right direction. But also at the same time, they wanted to have the feeling ownership that they had the right pieces in place and that they could compete for a Super Bowl. Now, I think if you look at the Giants and you're thinking Super Bowl at this time, you're not being realistic. They're still a long ways away from that time. Now, the thing here is, you know, Joe Judge, he was brought in this past offseason. He inherited a team that we have to be realistic. Talent-wise is not there yet, right? So would it befit the Giants and befit Joe Judge to have someone that he's close with or that aligns philosophically with him? I mean, these are the questions that Giants ownership is going to have to think about and have to think about long and hard because you sit back and you say, okay, the Giants had a top six pick each of the last three years, right? Top six pick. Those are really, really no, – no one in the league has picked that high for three straight years. The end result right now, what do they have? They have Saquon Barkley, great player, but he's been injured two of the last three years, so the return on that hasn't been great so far. They have Daniel Jones. They have – has promised, but – there's still, I don't think anyone can sit back and be 100% certain that Daniel Jones is going to be a great quarterback or top 10 quarterback. You might have optimism, but there's definitely questions about Daniel Jones, even if you're being optimistic. And then Andrew Thomas with the fourth pick this year, he had, he's had a rough year. Mm-hmm. So he's had his up and downs. Now, does that mean he's not a good player? No. We'll see ultimately how it turns out. But right now, three top six picks, and the returns on them – you know, we're still sitting here. We're uncertain about two to three picks, and the other one has been injured. So it doesn't reflect awfully well on Dave Gettleman, and the record is what it is, 14 and 33 right now, each year double-digit losses. So, you know, it's a decision the Giants are going to have to make. 
there's people in the building that know that the talent level is insufficient at the moment and it's still not there. Is Dave Gettleman the right person to help Joe Judge and company fix that moving forward? Uh, We'll see, I guess. You know what? There's no way around it. What happens this week is going to influence that decision because if Daniel Jones goes out there and throws for 350 yards in what's essentially a playoff game for them and three touchdowns, you're going to feel a lot better about Daniel Jones' future mm-hmm. than, you are, than you would if he goes out there and lays an egg. So, and, and they don't make the playoffs and they lose. So this week, I mean, whether, they like, whether you like it or not, is going to influence Giants' ownership's decision, uh, feeling of where the team is now and moving forward. No doubt. All right. The Giants have a pivotal game against the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. It's win and get in. If the Washington football team should lose, then the Giants are going to the playoffs. Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter. Thanks so much for the time. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, everyone. Coming up next, we'll get you set for the biggest quarterback matchups of this big football weekend. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We're going to take our pick for the quarterbacks that are dueling it out tomorrow and over the weekend. So we're going college and NFL, but we're going to start in the NFL, Jay, with Trubisky and Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to go first. You know, we talked about you interrupting me. Laughter counts as interruptions. So rude. I would love to take Mitch Trubisky. I would love to believe that Mitch Trubisky is going to outplay Aaron Rodgers, but then people would be like, you are truly drinking Trubisky whiskey. And so I will take Aaron Rodgers in this one. Yeah, that whiskey, I think it's going to give you a limp performance from Mitch Trubisky in this one. I'm going Aaron (laughs) Rodgers all day long. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the MVP. It's all day. It's Aaron Rodgers in this one. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Mason Rudolph <laughs> against Baker Mayfield. Go ahead. Uh, it's, it's better be Baker Mayfield if it's even close. 
and you finish this game or you're getting towards the end of it, and it's like, is it Rudolph or is it Mayfield? You're in trouble. It needs to be Baker Mayfield. He wants to prove that he's the guy here. Quiet all the critics. I think he's done so lately down the stretch. It's a 10-5 and team to this point. It's not Big Ben versus Baker. Baker's going to get the best of them. Baker's going to silence a lot of critics in this one, and uh, he's going to prove that he's the guy there in Cleveland. I'll take Baker Mayfield here, and I'll tell you what, even if it was Big Ben, I think I'd take Baker Mayfield then too. I'm with you. Um, like give me that. Baker Mayfield and the Browns in a must-win situation against the Steelers team that will not have Big Ben. Tua Tungavailoa against Josh Allen this weekend. A reminder, Dolphins have to win to get in. The Bills are playing for the number two seed in the AFC. A lot on the line for the Dolphins. I think it's going to be Tua slash Fitzpatrick versus Allen in this one. And I'm still going Josh Allen. He is my second favorite player to watch in the NFL and my favorite player to watch currently in the NFL with what he's doing, tied with Aaron Rodgers. Joe Burrow's number two. Joe Burrow is injured. It's Aaron Rodgers tied with Josh Allen in how much fun this they are This is a watch. new development over the last three days. Now he's tied, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen? In terms of how much I enjoy watching them play, Patrick Mahomes is still uh, the guy, but he hasn't shown it in an exciting fashion like these two have okay. this year. So Fine. this is Josh, Josh Allen by a long shot. I agree. Josh Allen has already beaten the Dolphins once this year. I think he's going to do it again this weekend. I think they want that two seed. They want a little more security, especially because it has been announced that the Bills will allow some fans in the stadium in Buffalo for their first playoff game. So I know Bills Bills went ahead into the playoffs high, start 2020 on, or 2021 rather on a good note. So give me Josh Allen against Tua Tungavailoa in this one. Also experience on Allen's side as well. Kyler Murray against John Wolford. Good luck to you. <laughs> John Wolford. Ah, I like that. I I think Kyler Murray's very hurt. And it's admirable that Kyler Murray understands what's on the line, so he's going to go out there and try to play. But he's going to be playing against a Rams defense that is going to have their hair on fire and going to do everything they can to advance into this postseason. And as I look at the Cardinals' defense, it's not as dangerous as that Rams' defense is, most especially up front. And up front is where the Rams can wreak havoc on Kyler Murray, who's not as comfortable tucking it and running because he's hurt, and he's not as capable of a passer right now because he's hurt. Admirable, he's giving it a go. Not a lot of tape on John Wolford. We saw what Jalen Hurts did his first game out there versus the Saints. There wasn't tape on him. A dual-threat guy who's fully capable of doing it with his legs. Wolford's going to shock the world in this one. I'm going John Wolford. Wake Forest Demon Deacon stand up. I don't think you say the L. I think it's Wolford. Wolford. I'll get it right, but I like him for this weekend. All right, fine. And I'm actually going to agree with you, but I'm not going to agree with you because of the quarterback play, which I know seems a little bit convoluted. We're taking our pick between which quarterback we trust the most, Kyler Murray or John Wolford. And I'm going to take John Wolford because I trust Sean McVay to put him in the best situation to win, whereas Cliff Kingsbury I don't trust as much as a head coach. I I know he cannot control Kyler Murray's injuries. I understand that. But when it comes to playoff time and a must-win situation, give me Sean McVay every day of the week to put a quarterback who has not played very much football, let alone in the NFL at all, to be in a situation where he lets his defense thrive, he utilizes a run game, whoever that may be, because they've gotten basically no one in the backfield, and I don't know who John Wofford's even going to throw the ball to, but I trust Sean McVay to put this quarterback in the best position to win, so that's why I'll take John Wofford. Andy Dalton against Daniel Jones in an NFC East matchup. 
Daniel Jones, too, is not healthy. And he's talking about how he's going to stay in the pocket until he gets healthy. Daniel Jones is such a threat as a runner. Mm -hmm. I think it's a more even matchup, and I have to think with a little greater pause if Daniel Jones was 100%, but he's not. Andy Dalton's playing good football. feels secure in that position as a Cowboys signal caller, and he's got a heck of a lot of weapons around him. Ezekiel Elliott has discovered new life with the run game there. It's got to be Andy Dalton. I like the Cowboys to win. I think Washington football team loses, and I think the Cowboys back their way into the playoffs. But as everybody knows with the Cowboys, especially as of late in this last, what, decade? Whenever you get your hopes up and you feel like something was is within reach for the Cowboys to grasp onto, they break your heart. So maybe that does happen, but yet still I'm ignorantly going to go with Andy Dalton, the Cowboys, and furthermore for the Cowboys to make the playoffs. Okay, um, I'll let you go ahead I'll and I'll regret that. that. I'll yeah, regret I'll, it. I'll let you go put all your chips in on Andy Dalton. Uh, still ride with that red rifle. I'm on a heater, Shay. You know I'm on a heater. You are. A, I'm on a heater. A three-day heater, but okay. With a, with a lot of plays in those three days, I'm on a heater. Yeah, but you were on a... And like it ends a, right now because I talked about it. Yeah, and you were on a, a real cold streak before that. Anyways, uh, I'll take Daniel Jones in this one, banged up or not. I like Andy Dalton. I think the obvious answer here is Andy Dalton, but I just think a top 10 scoring defense in the Giants are a lot harder to deal with for the Dallas Cowboys than an Eagles team that's been banged up, a 49ers team that's been banged up in the Bengals. And so, I think the Giants give Andy Dalton and this offense some more fits. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to turn the football over. I don't think the Cowboys Cowboys offensive line is going to play to their potential, and I think that the Giants are going to utilize that that Joe Judge kind of mentality and fight in this one, and so I'll take Daniel Jones banged up or not in this one. Uh, Jalen Hurts versus Taylor Heineke. It's a must-win situation for the Washington football team. They win, and they're going to the postseason. Now, we don't know for sure if it's going to be Taylor Heineke. Alex Smith is trying to work his way back, but all signs do point to Heineke. It's too much pressure on Taylor Heineke if, in fact, he is a guy, and if it's Alex Smith, he's simply too injured to go out there and do it. I'd love to see Ron Rivera with all the attrition on the field, off the field. Dan Snyder is his boss. Everything going on there. I love to see Ron Rivera in fighting chemo to get to the postseason. I still think it's going to happen. I think it's too much to ask of Taylor Heineke in this scenario. And you look at the guy with nothing to lose in terms of postseason, but a ton to gain in terms of securing the job, maybe moving forward, if that's even a possibility. Maybe it is Carson Wentz. Who knows? But Jalen Hurts is going to be focused on going out there and executing and playing high-level football. He's capable of doing it. I got Jalen Hurts. Okay, give me Taylor Heineke in this one. Um, I think that they will do enough to win the football game, and I trust that he'll take care of the football and do everything right. On the other side for the Eagles, they're not going to rush anyone back from injury for this game. In fact, I think they see guys that are sitting if they do feel a little bit banged up, so I don't think the Eagles are going to be at full strength. Ultimately, will hurt Jalen Hurts. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in the CFP semifinal tomorrow. Fields proves to everybody that he's a great quarterback. I think you're going to see a really fun back and forth with Lawrence and Fields. Ultimately, Trevor Lawrence is a more talented quarterback with more weapons and a better team. Trevor Lawrence. Agree with you there. Mac Jones and Ian Book, lastly. Should've Mac Jones is a Heisman Trophy winner. It pains me to say this. I got two Notre Dame helmets in front of me. I got my Notre Dame sweatshirt. I got my Notre Dame now loving wife sitting next to me. Uh, but Mac Jones is simply too much. Too many weapons. Mac Jones is playing great football. It's Mac Jones. I mean, I love you. I don't know if I love Notre Dame like that. We can discuss that more later on. Five no, AFC teams no, are competing can't. for three playoff spots. Who's going to get in? We'll discuss next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, 
Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.